has become more aware of it recently because we've flung ourselves back onto the housing market, but people, when they're contemplating their must-haves in life, or at least in housing, they want space to entertain. They want a driveway long enough to park cars. They want to feel how many people will fit in this kitchen because no matter where you actually try to have the party, it will happen in your kitchen. People want to see that a house has potential for hospitality. But it's interesting. This is so important to us when we're looking, but yet when we actually live there, sadly, less than a third of us entertain even just once a month. 10% of us haven't entertained anyone in the past year. And for something that dominates our thoughts when choosing a place to live, we don't actually make it much of a priority once we live there. But today we hear two different stories about people entertaining God. And I'm not talking about God finding them amusing. That happens far more often. I'm talking about people who are actually showing hospitality to God. Now, if only a third of us make room in our homes for our friends on a regular basis, I wonder how often we're making room in our homes for God. How often are we inviting God in? So I thought, let's look at what keeps us from having people over. Well, it's a lot of work. We're afraid of being judged over where we live or the cleanliness of our home. We might be worried about the expense of being a good host. And very few of us have had the money to call Chip and Joanna Gaines in to make us look HGTV ready. So we're afraid people won't find where we live acceptable. What if what we have to offer isn't good enough? Believe it or not, Hospitality is actually a spiritual gift. Some people have a God-given knack for welcoming people, for helping people to feel loved and cared for and appreciated. Now, maybe you are one of these people who just come by it naturally. I don't have that gift naturally, but what I've figured out is that even if you don't come by hospitality naturally, you can develop it. Hospitality isn't just a gift, it's a skill that can be acquired and grown as we practice it. And our lessons today give us great examples of what hospitality requires. If these people met God's standards, then surely this is good enough for us. So let's see what happened. Well, the first thing that's revealed is that hospitality requires attention. Now, this might seem kind of a, well, yeah, duh, but you have to focus and pay attention on the people you're inviting. Abraham and Mary and Martha show us two very different types of attention for hospitality. With Abraham, you see the attention paid an unexpected guest, and with Mary and Martha, you see the honored guest that you scrape and scrub and primp for. Abraham is described as just looking up. He was taking a nap under a tree and he becomes aware that someone is near and he pays attention. He says, aha, a guest is on the horizon. And next comes thoughtfulness. You see, Abraham could have just ducked his head down and gone back to his 
afternoon snooze, but instead he stopped what he was doing and he thought about the needs of this stranger. You see, it's the heat of the day and there are no rest stops in these days. There's no snack bars, no convenient plazas every 45 to 30 minutes of travel if you speed. Abraham thinks of everyone else and he jumps up to rush for their anticipated needs. He offers them water to wash the dust off their feet and to soothe their parched throats. He offers them bread because what's a road trip without snacks? And a shady place to stop and rest during the heat of the day. Now, after he makes this thoughtful gesture, the invitation is accepted. And now comes the time of preparation, the time to follow through, because no one wants to be invited to a feast only to find saltines and water. But when we find unexpected guests, we just offer what we already have on hand. We find ourselves already prepared. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, rushes to assist him to fulfill his offer of hospitality. Now, here's an important note for all of you. You should probably clear an invitation to a dinner party with your partner before you offer it, just for the long-term peace in your home. However, Sarah is game to help, and she prepares the bread. Now, perhaps she's willing to help and assist because it's not like Abraham just sat out under the tree with the guests and said, all right, where's the food? No, Abraham prepares as well. He goes to the servant and he tells them to slaughter the calf. And then he goes and he sets the table and he puts out milk and cheese curds. The Midwesterner in me would agree that good hospitality starts with cheese. The next step in good hospitality is presence. Abraham stands under the tree as the others eat. He's with them and ready to help them with whatever is needed. Now, in my family, we don't quite hover standing right by the table to see what you need. Instead, we have what we call affectionately spring derriere syndrome. Now, this is when you're at the chair closest to the kitchen and you're sort of just poised there, ready to hop up whenever anybody needs anything. And then, after good hospitality, comes the follow-up, the follow-through. Now, this isn't the work of the host. This is the work of the guest. The travelers seek to thank their hosts and they offer them a gift, something small that means a lot. Now, in this case, the visitors that Abraham is entertaining are messengers of God himself. The visitors offer the blessing of God and that the hoped-for child of Abraham and Sarah is on the way. Now, in the story of Mary and Martha today, we hear another version of hospitality. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are described in the scriptures as being Jesus' friends. They repeatedly welcomed him into their home, but perhaps this might be the first time. Jesus is a treasured guest, and we hear that Martha extended the invitation when she first heard that Jesus had come to town. This is a great example of clear and thoughtful paying attention. How much richer would all of our lives be if we stopped and spent time with people we know and love 
whenever they came to town. I don't know about you, but living right near Disney, we see all the time friends are coming from all over the country. And occasionally, we get to spend time with them, and it's always a blessing when it happens. Martha continues to pay good hospitality by demonstrating her thoughtfulness. She's taken time to prepare her home for Jesus and company. But then we hear Martha's preparations weren't quite complete by the time of her guest's arrival. She's bustling and scraping and trying to throw it all together, and we hear that she's distracted by her many tasks. And her hospitality begins to fall short when she forgets that the center of good hospitality is really presence. Her high standards, clearly higher than her guests, prevent her from practicing presence. How often does our spring derriere syndrome get in the way of actually spending time with the people we've chosen to invite? You see, the aim of true hospitality is to provide comfort, care, and love. It deepens our relationships and it helps us to settle in from the chaos of the world and find rest and enjoyment in the company of others. So Jesus here, as the guest, provides the follow-up. Jesus attempts to free Martha from her distress and release her just to experience the joy of being present with him. You see, entertaining isn't really about showing off our house or impressing people with our cooking or the really good caterer that we know. It's nothing so minor or trivial as that. Hospitality is kingdom of God work. Jesus shows us that we make room for him in our lives and at our table, and then we discover who the true host really is. You see, God is the host of our lives, and we realize God has shown us infinite attention and care in our formation, in our varied needs and personalities and our loves. God's thoughtfulness for us, his guests, knows no bounds. Creation is filled with all things bright and beautiful, and creatures described in the Psalms as made just for the sport of it. A variety of climates and varied places to live exist so that the earth is filled with pleasures for God's chosen guests. And God's preparation for us, for welcoming us into the presence and company of God, it began long before Jesus took on flesh. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we hear that from the very moment sin entered into the world and the relationship with God was strained, God began preparing and planning a defeat. God planned the restoration so that the Son of Man would crush Satan under his feet. And his preparations come to fruition in the ultimate act of presence. As the word, God made flesh, came and lived among us. Jesus is forever our Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we're sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our counselor, our guide, our friend, our signal that God is with us always to the very end of the age. 
So if God is really the host here, then that means that the follow-up is on us. How are we to repay our host? Repaying God seems a pretty tall order. We're to remember, gifts given to the host are not repayment for an invitation. They're a token, something small, a small gesture of appreciation, a symbol of mutual care. We thank our host by returning again and again. We come into God's presence here in the house, in the church. And we offer our gifts, our time, our talent, and a portion of our money out of the resources that God has already prepared for us. When we make our offerings as a token of our appreciation and thanks for our weekly invitation to be present at the Eucharistic feast. And after we are fed, nourished, and filled up with the love that Christ has for us, we're commissioned to go and do likewise. We are commissioned to extend God's radical hospitality into the world by loving others as we have been loved. It's a tall order, but we can start by small gestures of hospitality, of inviting people in. It can be as simple as noticing the need of a passerby and offering to meet it with water, a snack, and some shade. It can be as elaborate as a dinner party to welcome a new neighbor or a party to celebrate a friend or family member's accomplishment. Hospitality can be as complex and long-term as working towards justice and how we welcome those who are our neighbor, who are foreign, seeking asylum. Hospitality is all about helping others to feel seen, to be known, to be loved, and to know that they are cared for. Hospitality is a gift, but it's a gift we can practice, a muscle we can build, and a gift sorely needed in a land full of isolation, fear, online friends, but lacking in the real depth of love and companionship. We live in a world that has forgotten what it's like to truly care and be cared for. But it doesn't have to stay that way. We can extend the hospitality we've known from God and send it forth in all the world.